Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today, I have my buddy, Jameis. How you doing, buddy? I'm well, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing good. Before we uh, start this, you got to show everybody your cool shirt because I love it. Look at the, I love that band photo. It's it's such a cool photo. It, it per perfectly encapsulates the band in the 1980s Dead or Alive era mm -hmm. and that just aura that and vibe they gave off to a T, especially Richie in the hat. I think it's so cool. Yeah, Richie rocks the hat, that's for sure. Um, so anyway, before we get into our topic today, I want to know, how did you become a Bon Jovi fan? So for me, my introduction to Bon Jovi was when I was young. My dad grew up a Bon Jovi fan, so he starred me on the New Jersey Super Bowl Wet era, even though those two albums, actually it's Super than New Jersey, irregardless. Um, and I grew up in the 2000s, so right around the time uh, that Crush came out was around the time I was born. It's My Life is a huge hit. Saves and So is a huge hit. Have a Nice Day came out around when I was five-ish. So that was played a lot. The My mom grew up on country, so our compromises would often include like Bon Jovi's version of Who Says You Can't Go Home with Jennifer Nettles, even though I'm not a big fan of her voice. Um, and late in the later years, um, my high school, stuff like that. I didn't have the easiest childhood, so I've always struggled with mental health, stuff like that. And when it was at its lowest, I really, the albums in the 90s really helped me out, especially these days. Um, if that's what it takes these days, the title track, not the, uh, the album too, but specifically the title track. And if, as my guitar was bleeding, my arms were like huge, huge and, and like helping me through one of the roughest periods of my life. So I look back on each era of the band fondly for different reasons and each mean something to me in a major way, even if the timeline isn't exactly cohesive. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And I, I tell you, buddy, you know, same thing for me when I was a kid. You know, I, I became a fan when I was eight in 2000, right when It's My Life and Crush was coming out. And, and I tell you, just getting deep into music, you know, as a child and teenager, especially as a teenager, you know, I, I suffered through mental health, you know, I, you know, going through breakups and my dad's death and even even good times, you know, their music was always right there. And, uh, you know, there are songs that I really connected with, too, as a teenager, you know, like Stick to Your Guns and Everybody's Broken and Welcome to Wherever You Are, you know, those songs kind of shaped me to I was just saying that welcome to wherever you are earlier today in the car. It just came through my feet. Yeah, that, that song is a gem. You know, so songs like that kind of helped me believe in myself and, you know, make me confident in who I am and be proud of who I am. So, you know, I definitely get what, you know, what you mean when, you know, how they helped you when you were a teen because they did the same thing for me. Especially for those albums. Like, I feel like that album, it opens up with Hey God these days. Yeah. And you immediately go and do, he's two paychecks away from living out on the street, homelessness, the death of a child. Like those are real taboo subjects that aren't normally covered that people go through and need help through. And that's the first song in the album. And then they go through that the entire album. Like the song that he wrote for the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Say that. The, 
So the song from, that he wrote for the Gwyneth, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can't think of the name on the top of my head, but that's one of my favorite songs in their entire catalog because you can feel the raw emotion of losing, of losing a significant other, um, and the imagery and the lyricism of uh, the tarot card shark draw your heart, find you somebody else. There's a poetry that's deeper that just hits the right chord to convey the message that isn't for it's in their other albums, but not as much. They just, it's so much more introspective. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it makes, that's what connected with me at that age. It, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's the, you know, the best thing about music is the lyrics. You know, as John has said many times, you know, when he writes a song, it's his song. But once he puts it out there, it becomes our song, our song. And sometimes we interpret those songs differently than, than how he felt when he wrote the song. Um, it's hard letting you go is the name. Sorry, I, I was going to kick myself if I didn't think of it. Oh, that's right. It's hard letting you go. The right. uh, Moonlight Valentino movie that was, it was for. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous song. Yeah. It's him and Richie in the studio, too. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily for the movie. It was inspired by the movie when John was writing for the uh, the album. Right. But that... Anyway, so let's dive in because today we are going to talk about this album, but not specifically this particular, not, not the original album. We are going to talk about this gem right here. This was a special edition because these days sold so well in Europe, sadly, it tanked in the U.S. I blame it on the whole grunge and pop music and rock bands. I think they took from grunge on the album, though. What's that? I think they took a lot from the grunge movement on the album, though. Uh, I think with Damned and Hey God, they did. But um, so anyway, this uh, was a special release for Europe because of how well it sold in the U.S. Or I'm sorry, in Europe. And so they released this in 1996, and it's a special edition two-CD set, which, you know, the photography alone, I just, you know, looking at both covers, I just, I love it. I love the orange and the blue, and then just the way that the band looks. I love the economy of it, too. I think that I love both for completely different reasons. I love the color palette on the original album, but I love the gloomy sense on the uh special edition yeah i i i think this version just like you said i i think this really sets the tone for the album i really do because it's a dark album yeah exactly and it's funny because john says it's not a dark album it's one of his most optimistic but really i i, I it took me a long time for me to realize i think this album is is more of a misery loves company album but let's find the light together like we're gonna get through this together you know it's it's that kind of album you know like songs like lie to me you know that's about two people just struggling to get by and but with each other they believe they'll make it through you know for me the song on the album that goes through that the most is probably if that's what it takes yeah because the chorus goes do i have to break down just to break through. And then on the bridge, he goes, so when you feel like jumping, just when your heart starts bumping, when you're standing on that ledge, I'll be there to talk you down. I'll be yep. there for you at the ground. Mm -hmm. He's going through the struggles of this person, but as a, 
from his perspective and how he's there to help her or them get through it. Yeah. And to me, that kind of fits with the narrative that you just said. That's even though it it kind of has a uh, more poppier sound than the rest of the album, it kind of is the quintessential song on the album. Yeah, I agree. And and those lyrics that you just described, and then if that's what it takes, is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. What this album, I think, I think, means. And you know, and and before I, I dive into this special edition box set here, I I want to say that I think these days is, you know is truly probably their best work that they've ever done. You know, as far as a music standpoint goes, you know, the this was, the 90s was the band's peak. And I agree with that, and, actually. And, and these days was the top of that peak for them. You know, musically, vocally, songwriting wise, it's just the whole, the whole everything about them was perfect, the way that they played together. And, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned John's vocals as well was just, beyond beyond the world this world that no she hits on something to believe in something oh. to believe in if that's what it takes hearts breaking even hey god these days this ain't a love song. you know there's a lot of high notes on on this album you know then you get songs like it's her letting you go where it's very smooth and very his smooth. best vocal on the album i would have to say is my guitar though yeah because he jumps from an a2 to A4 range, to a D3, to a G4, to a C5. Now he hit the C6 and something to believe in, which is the highest known in the album. But that range and to do it seamlessly the way he does, yeah, is not done very often in very many songs. Exactly. Well, let's get let me uh, let me get into the box set here real quick. Um, so we're gonna unbox it a little bit here. So this was a two CD set. So it has the original album. Now, overseas, they always had um, All They Want Is Everything or at least Bitter Wine, depending on which edition you had. On the standard U.S. version, we only got up to Diamond Ring. So on this box that you have the standard album and you have All They Want Is Everything and Bitter Wine, which we'll talk about those two songs here in a second. But the real gem of this box set is the bonus CD. And we get songs like Fields of Fire, I Thank You, Mrs. Robinson, Let's Make It Baby, Demo. Um, and then we get I Don't Like Mondays cover, which was later on in One One Night CD. I don't like Mondays either. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then uh, cover of Crazy that Tika sings, Tumbling Dice cover that David sings, and then Heaven Help Us, which is a cover that Richie sings. So that was kind of cool. We'll get into that here in a second. But now that we unbox it, we open it up, and, you know, we get this really, which I love this photo too, because I think it also, um, has that gloomy feel, like you said, and it brings the style of the album. Um, and then, so you have both discs, you know, you have the original, and then you have the, the bonus disc. And then um, this is, uh, let me look here real quick, you know, just uh, some, some credits and stuff like that here, right there. And then um, you have the, the original booklet with the original album cover right there. So, um, and yeah so you know this is a real cool gem you know, I, it was more of a thank you to the european fans um for all the success that this album gave me it, it's it's crazy how successful and huge this album was overseas and i was just in europe and i was not expecting for them there were two bands that were everywhere no matter which country i went to and they were one of them they were they were what 
there were two bands. I went. I ended up going to England, Ireland, Italy, France, and Vienna this summer. Okay. There were two bands that were everywhere in every country, and Bon Jovi was one of them. I was not expecting them to be that much of a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, indirect. That, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. It's it, and they are huge. You know, they are huge in Europe. You know, a lot of the fans, Bon Jovi fans that I talk to online, are are from Europe. You know, there's a lot of them. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into this. So, you know, obviously we're not going to talk about, you know, at the end we'll, we can talk about some of the songs on the original album, but let's get into the deep stuff. Let's start talking about uh, Bitter Wine, which was in the States, a bonus track. Um, and I, I, I love Bitter Wine. I love that uh, piano and guitar intro. You know, that, that Anything, called. any intro done by David is always going to be great. Yeah. From what I've gathered. And I think it's a, it's a great way to end the album too, you know, like, I, I, I don't know, I was always kind of bitter, pun intended, uh, about Diamond Ring being the album closer, you know, I think it was too, what's the word I'm looking, you know, these days I was as a roller coaster, you know, and I just think Diamond Ring was kind of a, not, not the perfect way to end it, so I, I think Bitter Wine was a great way to end the album. I'm not the biggest fan of Bitter Wine. I love the melody. I love Richie's acoustic. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. But I have to agree that it would be a much better fin album finisher than Diamond Ring. I've yeah. grown a little bit more appreciative of Diamond Ring and recent recently. Uh, it comes across as a very Leonard Cohen style poem put to music. But at the same time, it still comes across as too much filler and it just kind of sounds incomplete. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. I always thought that there could have been more to it, which is why I think it was an outtake from the standard album in the States. I, I don't think it was completely finished. In a way, it feels like a demo still. But, you know, I enjoy it for what it is. You know, And I really like John's vocals, especially before the chorus. And I like that line, I thought I saw my future, but the fortune teller lies. I, I love that line that entire yeah it, that it, entire it, album is full of just chock full of lyricism um i don't know the song as well off the top of my head as others so just lyrics off the top of my head probably isn't my thing for this one yeah but the melody is great uh i like the way the piano complements richie's acoustic i like that it's an acoustic sound i don't think they do that enough as a band and I think when they do it, they do it very well. Yeah, I agree with you. So uh, it's a fun little track. Yeah. And then the next one is All I Want Is Everything. And what I think, I, I love how edgy the guitar is. You know, the, it just makes you want to, uh, I, I, I love it. The, the guitar on that song just really stands out for me in that song. I had, uh, I'm looking at my notes from when we were originally going to record this. Couple of weeks, like a couple of months ago, yeah. And then. I have a lot of notes for all I want is everything. Uh, if I had to guess, all I want was everything was set to be the second track. I've always thought, from when I did hear it for the first time, that similar to "Hey God" lyrically in the syntax and the meaning on the verses, and it starts with kind of a similar heavy riff, conflated with more innovative kind of riffs used in the opening of "Something for the Pain," but the chorus is more like "Something for the Pain." 
So it kind of fits right in between those two songs on the album. I can uh, see that. I thought Richie's background vocals made a, were a lot more evident in this track than anything that made the album. Really? And I like that because I love Richie's background vocals. I think they're very powerful on this track. It feels, it does feel a little bit more experimental for Bon Jovi though. Uh, but I like the attitude of it. I like, the attitude reminds me of something a little later because the next album is the album with It's My Life and that's the kind of attitude but, I want to back up just for a, a quick second. I I would say Richie's backing vocals are probably the strongest on this album compared to any other album. I mean, with Richie's vocals on Something for the Pain, you know, Lie to Me, you know, those two songs alone are really heavy with Richie's backing vocals. And I, and I think this is probably the most Richie and John combined duo. And on- I would agree. And I think that that's part of the reason it's one of my favorites because Richie's my favorite musician in the band. I love all of them, but he's just my favorite, and that's not a knock on any of the other members, especially John, who's vocally incredible and a great lyricist. Um, but I, and this album does feel like you you can tell, especially in a song like "It's Hard Letting You Go," you can tell Richie is there more than any other album but this song it really just pops to me and they really just mesh in a way yeah that it's so much more evident than even the other songs on the album for the most part sure the um you know where i've always thought this song would fit best in the catalog between songs eight and nine i'll keep the faith because if you put it right between woman and love and fear, it fits to a T. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, that's, I know that's, that's kind of a weird thing to just bring up, but it feels like more of an outtake from that album than this album for me. Sure. Um, yeah. That, but... that's, so let's get into the, uh, the bonus uh, disc. Uh, we're going to start off with Fields of Fire, which I think, well, I would say this is probably one of my favorite outtakes from these days. You know, these days and Bounce are probably those two albums alone. Even New Jersey probably have the best outtakes that they've ever put out for us. New Jersey has a lot of outtakes. Yes. Um, but Fields of Fire, I, I think it's one of John's best songs vocally. Um, you know, especially when he sings, you know, Broken Glass. And I, I love that line too. Um, right. And the, and, uh, Richie's guitar solo too is just phenomenal on that too. He doesn't really have many bad solos. The especially in the nineties when he's at his peak. The I I also would lo- love the broken glass lyric. Yeah. Uh, but I love the lyric that follows it. Just to swim in your sea of devotion. Yeah. It's such incredible imagery to the point he's trying to make, especially. What's the word I'm looking as a metaphor, metaphorically? Oh yeah, and I think it's a great way to lead into the second chance. I love the midnight time lyric, uh, the hero who gets the girl. But if I had my chance, I would save the world. That's their strongest lyrical outtake to me. I I think that lyrically is just an incredible song, and I'm not sure why it's not on the album, because it's definitely better. 
I think it's better than bitter wine and yeah. diamond ring. But I don't know exactly where I'd put it on the album. So maybe that's what. See, I, I would replace, well, I'd say Damned, but Damned also is, is a good song. It definitely belongs on the album. But Damned is a fun song. That's my most fun song on the album. Me personally, I'd probably drop Diamond Ring and put Fields of Fire on there. But I dropped Diamond Ring for most of the outtakes. Yeah, see, you and me were a very, very minute um club because most people love diamond ring me i'm not crazy about it it's okay I think something incredibly sweet and wholesome about diamond ring that i can see the appeal but at yeah. the same time it feels more like a poem than a song yeah and that makes it feel incomplete and makes it come across filler no matter how good the chorus is exactly and it, it doesn't fit the rest of the album you know right it's like a 180 on the last song of the album. It's like, you know, a lot of the album is Pain and Stafford, Misery Loves Company, Let's Find the Light Together. And, you know, all, and all of a sudden you have like a love song, and you know, Diamond Ring, Wear It On Your, you know. It just doesn't, it, 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 like I said earlier, it's a weird way to end the album. It doesn't fit the album, but it's a, it's a John and Richie favorite. It's a fan favorite. So you and me, buddy, we stand alone. But right. I, I tell you, the New Jersey demo, of diamond ring in my opinion was a lot better i love that guitar in it you know the drums and uh, i think that's why it made the album these days i think they kept they wanted it on new jersey if i had to guess there's no spot on keep the faith for it i think they wanted to put it somewhere so hiding it at the end of the album to get it in the catalog and on a record yeah i think was the reason they probably put it there yeah because it's you can tell in the songwriting it's completely different than the rest of the album because it's from a different time period. Yeah, yeah, and and you know you know back to Fields of Fire too. It also sounds a lot like Keep the Faith. Now, obviously, you know Keep the Faith and these days recording we're only we're only you know three years apart. So, but you know there's a lot of similarities to the Keep the Faith production sound. Um, yeah, but I, I I love Fields of Fire and and I love the way that John Rich is singing together in the chorus too. I just it's, the, the songs are real gem. It's poetry. If I close my eyes, it'll go away, and I don't want to see it in this way. Yeah, it's such a great line, and there's the the entire lyrics. I'm outside the chorus is just hidden with. Heart, the line that tugs on the heart one after another and it's a tremendous song absolutely let's get let's go to the next one buddy uh it's called i thank you and oh i think i lost you you still there uh yeah i'm here i just don't see uh it just says your name hold some... on i'm sorry Heck, no that's, that's okay buddy don't be sorry there the, you go uh, that's the uh, sam david cover isn't it oh what that's a cover of a old 60 song yeah um you're right um but i i really like the way that john started you know you didn't have to do but you did but you did yeah and, yeah, that's all all you, and all of a sudden you get that gospel sound of you know you get these ladies in the background gospel like you know church like singing in the background you know which i think is really cool you know you don't really expect that from a bon jovi song or cover and so i thought that was kind of neat to have to listen to yeah i like that they did that with these bonus tracks 
I think the album speaks for itself. And I think if somebody is buying a bonus, a special edition with a bunch of bonus tracks, they're probably big enough Bon Jovi fans if they're buying that the special edition and paying more for that anyway. So I think that doing something different that sets the album apart is a bit more of a treat and a, a cover of a 60s R&B song with more of a gospel vibe is a treat for the fans. I think that it it really allows you to appreciate their range as musicians, as their experiences as musicians, who their inspirations as musicians. And I think it's really cool. I think if I'm buying, I don't, I want to compliment the album, not extend the album if I'm buying a special edition, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I thank you. It's kind of like a little experiment to see how different, because you know, this is definitely a lot different than what the band has ever done at this at this time and period. Or anything. And uh, another thing that I really like when I listen to this song is the bass line. If you listen to the bass solely, it's it's so it has that funky to it, but also that rock vibe, if that makes any sense. Probably doesn't make any sense, but it makes well, sense. They do great with covers, and they're a great cover band, which I'm, I'm never called uh, Bon Jovi a cover band because they're not. But when they do covers, they're, they're, the they're they make it their own. Yeah. And it, it's funny, too, because I don't say this because they're my favorite band. But I guarantee, probably, I, I could probably even say 100% of every cover that they've ever done is better than the original. That they've, you know, like, you know, that, that includes, you know, Hallelujah, Glad All Over, uh, Pretty Woman, Old Time Rock and Roll. I uh, like, with Hallelujah, I feel like Leonard Cohen, he's one of my favorite poets, so I love Leonard Cohen. I feel his version is too slow. Yeah. But the first famous version, which was Jeff Buckley, I do prefer to Bon Jovi's, weirdly enough. Okay. Yeah. The, but their cover is definitely better than Cohen's. Um, I like their version of Boys Are Back in Town a lot better. That's on the special edition of New Jersey. Yep. Yeah, it's it's on some singles too for through the years, like especially some '90s singles. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know. But yeah, and that's that's another treat that we got in this box is like everybody, and we'll go over some of the songs here momentarily. But every band member has a cover here. Obviously, the band's doing the song, but the, each band member gets a chance to sing a song. Right. Kind of cool because we don't see that again until the 2004 box set. And but, I'm gonna hit on that with one of these songs. Yeah. The my question is, are these the songs that the performers sometimes sing in concerts? to give John kind of a vocal break like halfway through the set. Yeah, I, I've, I've thought that too, especially when Richie has done I'll Be There For You, you know, because that's at least a seven, eight minute break for John. That gives him time to change, rest his vocals. And uh, and I like Richie's version of that song better than the current yeah. live version of the song. But yeah. a lot of that has to do with John's vocals being a bit uh, not. We're not going to get into that. Um, He's still a very good musician. So yeah, to the fans that like the music, yeah. so why? Yeah, but anyway, but, um, but it, another thing I think is, is great about the covers, though, is 
that it, it gives each band member a chance to shine because you know one of the downfalls about Bon Jovi as a whole as an entity is that everyone solely focuses on John and you know it, it obviously Bon Jovi is John's namesake and it's it, it, at the end of the day it's John's band blah 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 but and I, I think this is where John was saying, you know, it's not always, it's not all about me. It's also about the band. And he gives the band a chance to shine, you know, because as you can tell with Crazy and um, Tumbling Dice and all, you know, all the stuff that Rich has covered, they're great musicians. They're not just keyboard players and drum. Like they have good vocals and they have a real musical talent. The, for me, I've always said Richie Sambor is the best musician of the group. And I stick by that. If, you the 11th anniversary of his most recent album not including the uh rso stuff just came out listen to a song like every road leads home to you and then go back to his 91 album during their hiatus with bad uh, medicine i'll be there for you was phenomenal father time like he's a tremendous vocalist he's a tremendous lyricist even though he only did the sheet music for bon jovi not the lyrics and I think he's a very underrated musician and the amount he can do, whether that be a variety of instruments, a tremendous vocal range. The issue is John always needed to be the front man and yeah. John's the right front man because John's a great vocalist, but yeah. he's a, just a better performer in terms of controlling the crowd. He's charismatic. People want to see a Bon Jovi and that's a big aspect of a band people don't realize but that goes back to the best front man isn't always the best musician. And I feel like it's great that he gave Richie his chance to shine. David is a a very underrated music theory yeah. musician and the way he composes. He's yeah. a movie composer. Like sure. he understands how to get everything out of each note with a keyboard better than most keyboard players you'll find sure and he's a tremendous musician and he was a great vocalist too he's the background vocals on the first two albums give it and a couple of songs mm -hmm. uh, he's done they sound vocals. great yeah let's uh let's stay on track though with this because of timing and stuff let's stay on yeah. track with this okay um the, we'll, we'll talk about that another time um but let's get into mrs robinson which was a really cool one of my well, covers. And I think, you know, this kind of was like what you were just talking about earlier, you know, how well John and Richie come together. You know, this this kind of gives me a Beatles-esque vibe, you know, the way that it, it's kind of like a broken down acoustic. And it's just pretty much John and Richie on this track. And um, I just, I, I love the way, and then they, they sing, you know, the what, uh oh, you know, thing. Um, and Richie's also phenomenal on the guitar in this song. I think what I like about this is pretty much what you just said with this cover. Uh, I don't necessarily know Beatles is the right comparison, but I, I get where you're coming from. For me, I, I think since, it's a Beatles esque vibe, especially since I've always gotten a very 1960s vibe from it too, which is the same era as the Beatles, sure. and also the era the song came out. So I think they were very delicate with the source material and did the song justice and found a way to make it their own while not taking away from what made the song a timeless classic in the first place. And I really like that about that cover. I yeah. don't have much to say about the cover, but I've always appreciated that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you too, buddy. I, I uh, 
I, I love it. I think it's a real gem. I just don't have too much to say. It's it's one of those songs I just enjoy. And I think it's a great John and Richie song, you know, with Mars yeah. and they're just playing this, you know, that's a great song. Uh let's get to the next one. Let's make it baby. Um I have a you know, there's only three, four Bon Jovi songs I don't like. I don't like it. See, you, I, I think we're two long lost brothers, man, because not only do we agree on time and ring, we also agree with let's make it baby. But you know, it's funny because right before we did our chat, I kind of just brushed up on the song because I don't listen to it often. Right. And it's kind of like whole lot of leaving where 90% I hate the song, 10% I like it. I think I'm kind of like that with let's make it baby because there, there are a few good things about this song. Um, you know, like John's vocals, you know, his scream in the chorus, you know, how he just, you know, the verses are kind of mellowsome and, you know, but then it starts to get a little higher and more in your face. And all of a sudden the chorus, he just starts, you know, let's make it, and he just screams. And, and I, I love that. Um, I also love, um, it's funny that we talk about how we don't like Diamond Ring that much or let's make a baby. The verse, during the verses, the guitar sounds a lot like the Diamond Ring verses right if you if you listen to them back and back and just break down to the guitar riffs and chords in the verses they're almost identical yeah they sound identical the for that song as an outtake i'm glad it's an outtake because it just doesn't fit their catalog it's a very yeah. i realized bon jovi came up as a very 1980s glam metal hair metal band and but this just screams '80s mediocre hair metal to me. Yeah, like the Motley Crue rap kind of bands that weren't very good, but were like just because they were associated with the Bon Jovi's, the Def Leppard's, the Aerosmiths. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it it doesn't do it for me. And, and and to be honest with you, I don't know why they put this on. You know, like I, I now you, you got to look back at the period of time. You know, 1996. There wasn't internet yet. This was on a couple of singles, if I recall correctly, but I just don't know why they put it on the, for me, I, I really think they should put on another these days outtake on this. Like even like wedding day would have been perfect on this. Right. Of this, I just don't understand why you, you put a New Jersey outtake on a these days boxing. So it was a New Jersey's outtake. What's that? It was a New Jersey's outtake. Let's make it, baby. Yeah, yeah, it was on out. Well, that makes sense. That I get an '80s glam metal vibe from it. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so it, it still just surprises me how it was put on this. I would put Wedding Day to to replace the, the most. I I really like the 2004 box set. I'm going to touch on that again when we get to the Heaven Help Us. Sure, but sure. there's a lot of outtakes on that. But in that box set that you could have put on this record, assuming you had them by then, I'm sure there's a couple from Bounce and Crush that of of the outtakes on that box set. For the most part, they were already there. Uh, you could have replaced any of those uh, that song with any of those, and I would have preferred it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one is I don't like Monday's cover, which features Bob Geldof, and this was a live track. I and, like this. And, and and we see this later in the One Wild Night live CD in 2001. And it, it's it's funny because a lot of people think of, you know, I don't like Mondays as, you know, just me and 
everyone hates Mondays, but it's, you know what the actual story is about, right? It's about this young girl who shot at her school and because she lived across the street and she just shot some kids going to school and her and when she was interrogated interviewed at the police station her reason was i don't like mondays and that's how bob godoff wrote the song and i this is like one of the best uh duet covers that john has done with anybody um i'll let i'll let you talk a little bit about it you know, you you know about this song and I have a small part of my notes, just an asterisk, and it says Wimbledon. And I know exactly what that means, because this is the song that the Boomtown Rats opened with when they opened Live Aid. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're so right. I forgot about that. Yeah. They do it every time they tour Europe, but doing it with the frontman of the Boomtown Rats at Wembley is really cool. And you can feel the energy that Wembley brings. Oh, and absolutely. What I like about this song more is I think this shows Brian's range as a musician. It's a very new wave kind of song, which puts a lot more emphasis on experimental keys as a genre. The new wave genre was very piano heavy. So John singing acapella is great and it complements Get All's voice. But the one that really sticks out to me in the band is David. Yeah, you. you and I, I love the way that he plays piano on this, especially in the, at the end of it when, when you know, when Bob Godoff is kind of doing the outro vocally, you hear David, you know, slowing down. The, I, I love that part. Absolutely. And then, you know, and then, you know, to kind of hit off what you just said too. the instrumental solo. I also like the way that, you know, that John sings, you know, I shot him down, all down, down, you know, the way that he screams that. That's my favorite part of the song. And then you get in that, it's not necessarily a guitar solo. It's more of just an instrumental solo where David kind of shines. This is all it needs to be. Exactly. Sometimes plus is more. Exactly. And, you know, and there, there's some songs, and this is the perfect example, where you don't need a guitar solo. You know, sometimes it's nice to have like a um, keyboard solo or drums, you know, something like that. Uh, right. Was, was there anything else you wanted to say about Mondays? No, I think I think I covered it. I really like that. I've always liked that whenever they play a stadium like that in Europe, they use the Live Aid, that song that opened Live Aid. I think that's really cool. I think it's a nice uh, homage to yes. the uh, past music. Yeah. And such a big event. Absolutely. Let's get into the next one. This one is kind of. This is a, a treat for the diehards, I think, for this box set. Uh, the cover of Crazy, and you know, the, it's a live track, and you know, John introduces Tico, and you know, just said, you know, he, he says, you know, Tico who steals the show, and you know, his little homage to Tico, and, and this kind of like proves where I was saying earlier about how John tries to give the rest of the band members a chance to shine and, and show off their talent, and so Tico sings this song. And when you listen to this song, you know, looking at Tico and listening to the vocals, I don't know about you, buddy, but it just doesn't match up. And, and I love Tico as a singer. There's a reason he doesn't sing, but it's kind of cool to listen to hear him sing. It just doesn't seem like Tico, you know, you kind of, I don't know, if you listen to him talk and listen to him sing, they're like two different things, you know? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this one. Okay. But I like the original song. I'm just not a fan of th this version with Tico no. on the vocals. It just doesn't do anything for me. 
Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the thing about this bonus CD, though, it's just, it's a uh, thank you to no, the. I like that they gave yeah. Tico a chance to yeah. uh, sing a little bit. I like that they gave fans a chance to hear and appreciate him. And I think Tico's great. It's just not everything's going to be my cup of tea. And that's okay. It's somebody else's cup of tea. And that's what's important. This, you know, this CD is just for fun, just to give a little treat to the fans. That's pretty much all it is. Um, you know, especially for us diehards, you know, like stuff like Monday's Crazy, Tumbling Dice, Heaven Help Us. That's for the real diehards who love that little live track. Because if you go to a Bon Jovi show and you see David singing or Tico singing or Richie singing or, or seeing the band do a deep cut, it's mostly the diehards really enjoying it, you know? Um, because everybody, they're always going to have to play the You Give Love a Bad Name. Yeah. Or Yep. Living on a prayer because that's what people go to their concerts for. They're not my favorite tracks by any means, but that's what people pay to see, and that's okay. But it's always nice to give a treat and a reward back to those who are still buying the records. Yep. And exactly. well, not three because I haven't released one. Who are still buying records in 2020 when you cut 2020, especially yep. during a time of yep. that time period. Like if you're buying a record, you're a true fan those people should be rewarded. And I like that they always try and give back. Yeah. And, 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 the, and, the, and the singles are, are proof of that. You know, the singles always had, you know, a live, live track or a demo or an outtake. Um, but let's get into the next one. Uh, this one is actually probably, besides Fields of Fire, probably my other favorite track, Tumbling Dice, which is, I think, by the Rolling Stones, right? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah, the Rolling Stones did this. And I, I love the way, you know, I always say David deserves a chance to sing at every show, whether it's Tumbling Dice or, or In These Arms or whatever. But um, I, I love the way that David sings this, you know, and the way that he plays the keys. I mean, he just, when you listen to it, you just like, David just owns it. He owns this stage. He owns this song. And he just, it's very confident-like. And it's just amazing. Sorry. I think no, no, David, I think he's the most underrated performer in the group because yeah. he's on the if you put David Bryan in front of any audience, he captivates that audience. Awesome. And I think that's a big part of being a band that people don't realize is the entire band had are performers too, not just the front man. Mm -hmm. And he's very underrated at that aspect of being a band and i think this song is proof of that yeah absolutely i agree with you and you know it, like it goes back to me saying you know that the band members get a chance to shine and really show off their talent because you know i i guarantee you know like the general fans they see david saying like oh my god he's fantastic he's not just a keyboard player and i i use that term loosely because just is not a fair word because david is obviously incredible but he's also an, an incredible musician. If you listen to his musical, his vocals, phenomenal. But I, I, I just love this cover, and I wish he would do it more. I think that with musicians in general, oftentimes you, there's a lot of bands. There's not really been one from Bon Jovi, but you can look back at other bands and go, okay, Genesis. Oh, their drummer can sing. Like most bands, if you're in a if you're in a band that's a top elite level band in the world for as long as they've 
Bon Jovi has been, all of your guys that have been there since day one are tremendous musicians who can do most things because yeah. you're a sponge at that point. You pick it up. Easy. There's a, the amount of talent that goes into being a musician that goes beyond just the instrument that you play. And I feel like that oftentimes gets lost in translation. Yeah. That makes sense. No, yeah, I agree with you. It makes perfect sense. Um, let's get into the last one. Miss you had anything else you wanted to say about Tumblin Dice? No, I'm I'm good on that one. Okay. Heaven help us. You know, honestly, I, I love it. Uh I kind of wish they would have put a different Richie cover on there, but other than that, I, I still like it. It's nice to hear Richie do a cover too. This just, is my favorite. What's that? This is my favorite. Okay. I'll let you talk about it then. So uh my the first time I heard Richie sing was actually the 2004 box that was I if I can't have your love. And I remember like as a front man, this was before I heard any of his solo stuff or the RSO stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, why don't they let them sing more? Mm -hmm. And I went down a rabbit hole and I found this was one of the first things I found because of the other song. And it hit me just how soulful Richie's vocals are when the first time I heard. Like for me, he's John's the best, a, a great vocalist, and he's a great rock vocalist. He's a great hard rock vocalist. But Richie's a very soulful vocalist. You can tell he's using the inflection as voice to tell a story, and he's always digging deep into his soul and getting everything he can out of it. And it helps that this is very soulful because it's originally a Stevie Wonder song, if I'm not mistaken. The uh, Heaven Help Us? Yes. Uh, I didn't say you're right. I'm not 100% on that. You're covering Stevie Wonder. you got to be soulful. Absolutely. And it really shows just the Richie's vocal variety, how he holds out notes very uniquely. And it's very different, but in the best way possible. Yeah. I agree with him. Did you know If I Can't Have Your Love was an outtake from Stranger in This Town? Is it really? Yeah, so it's not actually a band song. It's actually, That's probably why they let him cut it. Yeah, it's an outtake from Strange, which is surprising to me because If I Can't Have Your Love is probably in the top five of his best solo songs. The, and why they didn't make the album is beyond me. But My favorite Stranger in This Town song is Father Time. But other than that, that's probably my favorite, uh, but better than any stranger in this town song i can think of yeah it's not in my head sure um so before we conclude i know that you it was important to you to kind of talk about the actual album these days itself so now is a free for all we can talk about whatever you'd like about uh these days what's that how much time do i have um let's see how long have we been oh, it doesn't even tell me see i'm, I'm new to zoom here so um, let's give it 10, 10 minutes. Okay. So for me, I wanted to hit on some production notes. Okay. Like the first thing in my notes is that the studio dialogue, the first words are, okay, we ready? Just about. And that's the first thing you hear on the album, but they add the studio audio for all of them, for most of the album. The, I wonder I've always kind of wondered who 
uh, made that call, but I really like that. The other big studio note is I really like that uh, this is one of the only albums where they're rarely in the studio together, but it sounds like they are. Like John and Richie would do the studio stuff, and then they add in the other stuff later, from my understanding. And that's really interesting. Yeah. This is the first uh, album that cites Hugh McDonald in the production bubble. And that's very important because he was already an integral part of the band. Uh, even though Alec John Such was the one touring. So good for Hugh McDonald to finally start getting some credit well, in public, right. publicly. Well, but these days, or this was the first album after Alec's departure. Alec wasn't had no involvement with these days. Of course, but I'm saying Hugh McDonald had already been a part of the band. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And he just didn't never really got any love for it. So I'm glad that you're starting finally starting to get credit. The uh, what what I found interesting note also is during another note that during COVID, John put out a video on each record, and I actually really like that. He cited these days in in the video as his favorite, and I always thought that was interesting. But I wanted to hit his vocals because I kind of touched on the as my guitar vocals earlier. But I remember a couple years ago, I was dating this girl, okay, and we were in a group chat and we were talking about best male vocalists, and she brought up I'm not even gonna say the name but somebody from the 2000s emo punk scene that I think is the most overrated vocalist of all time. Tell me who went, is. Uh, the guy from uh, Brendan Uri from Mike and uh, now from Panic oh, at the Disney. Oh, Panic God. At the I, I, we're, we're brothers from another mother, man. I can't stand him either. And, the, and I, I love Taylor Swift, but when she did that me song with him, I'm like, oh, no, Taylor, don't. I can't stand his, his voice either. But that's the different discussion when we're not recording. So she's like, Brendan Uri is better than any vocalist you can give me. I went, John Bon Jovi. I just kind of said it in passing. Yeah. I don't think John Bon Jovi is the best vocalist I've ever heard, but I love his vocals. And she's like, yeah, but John couldn't hit a C6. And I just kind of threw out something to believe in, look it up. I didn't even know. And she went, how did you know that off the top of your head? Uh, if I had a thinking, it's just because I know that one note is one of the best notes I've ever heard pulled off. And at no point in the album, despite the rains, does John feel like he's struggling on any of these notes? And I think that's incredible. The big thing about the vocals, though, is he knows when to cool down on hitting the high notes. Like he goes from the A2 to the C5 on my guitar, but the very next song on the album is It's Hard Letting You Go. And he goes from and he stays between a B4 and a G4. There's not much range there, but it doesn't need the range. He doesn't exactly. need to blow up his voice on every song, especially since that's one of the best vocal songs on the album. It fits the melody to a T, it sets the mood exactly how it needs to be set. It's it nails the sense of grief in the loss that he was trying to convey. And there's a deeper level of maturity in this track than any other track. So like even though he doesn't have, he doesn't show off his range, that doesn't mean the vocals are bad. 
No, I, I, I think his vocal, and I would say it's Harlan Nigo is probably my second favorite on the album. And, you know, like you just said, the vocal range was the perfect range for that song. You know, you needed a more mellowsome type song to really, um, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I think it was perfect. Let me ask you, how would you feel if that was the way that they ended that album? I would feel a lot better if they uh, moved Diamond Ring to the middle and ended with It's Hard Letting You Go. Because yeah. It's Hard Letting You Go provokes a lot of thought. Yeah. And I, I like things that sit with me and make me think. And I can go back with a different appreciation and a different lens a week later, if that makes sense. Now, what's your absolute favorite song on this album? My favorite song on the album is probably either These Days or My Guitar. Okay. Uh, what I love about My Guitar is the, I didn't realize until doing research a couple months ago, what the song was about. For me, I always took the, uh, I always took it as a mental health song. But once I heard the story of how it was written, I went, oh, it's so obvious. Because it was actually written during a writer's block yeah. where John had a nightmare, where the two of them walked into a bar and posters celebrating them at the height of their peak in 87 were everywhere, filled every inch of the wall, and they had no material to play. Like, no new material to play for these people who wanted new material. And I think that's the beauty of music. This song comes across as a shattered heart ballad. Yeah. I can't write a love song the way I feel today. I can't sing no song of hope. I've got nothing to say. I can't fight the feelings burning in my veins. I send this song to you. But he's actually saying he can't write a love song or sing a song of hope because he's struggling coming up with a song. So yeah. the music is that it intrinsically has a different meaning to everybody. And I would have never guessed that that was actually the thought process behind the song because yeah. it doesn't come across that way. The, the other song story I really like from the album is Hey God, because they, the, uh, the song hooks you out of the gate, I think it's perfect. But apparently that was all a Richie concept because everybody... Um, the two of them were in a limo and at a stoplight made eye contact with the homeless guy and they realized he's in a cardboard box and they're in a limousine and they talked about it what must he be thinking how did he end up in this spot and they wrote the track in the back of that limo well, most every... go ahead Sorry? go ahead and everybody who has ever had any sense of religion or faith at some point questions it because of what they're going through. And I think that really hit the nail on the head with that. And I yeah. think that song is a very strong, deeper than it sounds song. And I think it's a very underrated Bon Jovi song. I think it's other than Let It Rock, because the Let yeah. It Rock is by far the best opener. It's my favorite opener on any yeah. album. Um, for me, Hey God, I really relate to. And, you know, it's it's kind of nice to see the lyrics of that song because, you know, we all know that John is, you know, a 
quote unquote heavier Catholic and you know, really take religion to heart. But even on this album, there's a lot of question, you know, and, and, and for me, like, I don't want to get into my personal religious views, but you see all the horrors and this and this song is so relatable, not only the song, but even the album. But the song is so relatable even to this day because you see all the horrors in the world and you're like, if God was real and loves us unconditionally and looks out for us why is all this bad stuff happen why do some people have a terrible life while others have a better life and we all come from the same thing you know and we're not going to get into that obviously but right i really love like hey, hey god do you ever think about me you know like have you forgotten about me and you know it's just i i really relate to those lyrics because that's where when i question my religion a lot I think of that song. The the other song I want to hit on in detail is These Days because I think it's among David's best offerings. Uh, I love the way Richie's simple riff meshes with a more powerful piano. And I think whose collaboration helps. Uh, I also like that John doesn't enter until maybe 45 seconds, give or take, I would think. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that bluesy esque intro to the you know, and then you know, obviously David's in there too. And I think it allows the listener to get solemnly lost within the context of the music. I think Richie keeps his guitar present, but understated every time John's singing, and the riff is hauntingly mind melting. So Richie kind of shows off his best work, even though other than a solo, he's not as upfront with the guitar. And I think it's very similar to uh, Dry County, where Richie doesn't become obvious until his solo, which is a lot harder and shreddier compared to the rest of the track. I think it plays with the emotions of the listener more. And it's a very 70s music theory, kind of Pink Floyd Zeppelin kind of strategy, if that makes sense. And I've always really liked that. And I I didn't want to I wanted to hit on that before we ended Absolutely. because I I love that strategy in both that and Dry County which I think are their two best songs of the nineties. Yeah, um, my absolute favorite on this album. Before we conclude, as I always praise this song as much as I can, which is why I'm talking about it. Hearts breaking even. Definitely. Oh, tremendous! A hundred. You the know, way kids died. Um, the last time, yeah, and the rolls the A on the almost. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's probably in a way. I always felt like it was like a, a sequel to Always, not a direct sequel, but something that was similar. You know, with the same chord progression almost, uh, the vocals. Um, and just the way that it ends, you know, like, like even the, at the end, there's, there's an outro of him saying, go on, go get up, go on and walk out the door, say you don't need me anymore with that. So, you know, his uh, vocal is so impressive on that track, too. And and the best part of, of the well, the second best part is broken hearts. You can't call the cops. Yeah, it's a perfect. It's perfect yeah. And it's a true statement. It's very deep. That's my favorite lyric on the album. Yeah. And and Desmond on a uh, previous episode, Desmond Child, who produced, uh, who also co-wrote that song, 
John wrote that line, which I, I thought was pretty cool to learn that he wrote, you know, broken hearts can't call the cops. He has the perfect crime. I'm twisting and turning. The night keeps me yearning. I'm burning alive. Yep. It's such a, it's right after. Yeah. And it's such a great line too. Yeah. You yeah. can feel the apprehension, the anxious, the, ten the tension in what the, the, in the story of John trying to convey with the how quickly he hits it he's over talking over himself he's talking fast i think it's such a great subtle detail in that song and i'm glad you hit on the song because we haven't hit on every song we didn't hit on this ain't a love song something for the pain both great songs but hearts breaking even is a must talk about on that album yeah so i'm glad you hit on it yeah my, my favorite line too and the way that you know you talked about this a little bit ago hey i cried yeah i lied hell i almost died I know lyrics heart to heart, but this one it always uh, twists me up a little bit. But it's uh, John, it's the way John delivers them, the the power in his delivery yeah. from So the what I wanted to say was I, I, I love the way that he delivers those lines, you know, um, because that's what the song is. It, it's it's pouring everything that you have left in you and it, it's it's showing your vulnerability to somebody. I think that's what makes this album so special. Let, 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 me, let me finish for a second, please. I'm sorry. It's okay. And and what it's a you know what it's about for me is it's showing your vulnerability in a relationship and knowing that you've done everything you can in a relationship and there's nothing else that you can do and, and you've shown everything that you are to that person. And you know then the whole hearts breaking even line is essentially what it is. Two hearts leaving and um yeah that's why that's why that, that's tremendous stuff yeah Very so nice. what were you trying to say no i'm saying i think that's what makes the album special is the vulnerability there's so much more vulnerable on the album and you can feel that in the how it comes out on on the track in the studio in the lyrics in the music mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it special. And I think that's what makes it so underappreciated as well, is they had the radio hits. They had the radio hits. They had the radio hits in the 90s. Always was their most commercially successful upon release. Yeah. I believe song of any in their catalog, Better Roses was a huge hit. People yeah. act like 90s Bon Jovi didn't have hits, they did. But this song, this album didn't need a hit. No. And and I think that's one of the reasons it didn't, it wasn't so successful because it didn't have that radio hit in America. Because here in America, it's always you know that don't bore us, get to the chorus and get, give us a hook. This album didn't have that. This album you had to be really interested and really into it to really grasp the songs and and, and everything. You know what I mean? I do. It's an artist album. Yeah, exactly. You know, European fans, which I think are, well, they're getting into that. Europeans appreciate the art of music a lot more than Americans. Exactly. I, I'm not going to get into it, but I will say that. Your European fans really dive in to music. They're not into the commercial radio success of what's popular. They actually get into an album as opposed to Americans and I'm I'm an American, but I'm different. Me too. But yeah, and uh, but America just 
listens to what's on the radio, what's popular, what's trending. And nine times out of 10, when people listen to Bon Jovi in America, they're not listening to this album. And if they are, it's not the deep stuff like Hearts Breaking Even or Heart Letting You Go. If that's what, It's going to be probably these days and this ain't a love song, you know? Which but, both are really good songs. Like, it's yeah. not a bad thing to listen to those. It's just there's so much more to dive into. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's something for the pain was a really fun song, too, because, you know, the lyrics touch on a real deep emotional level. But at the same time, it's also a fun sing along song. The for something to the pain for the pain that it has. It's one of my favorites in the catalog, too. Uh, John actually rewrote that a lot, but like it reminds me of a much deeper in the in its tempo version of flaming on the love but i love the line loneliness has found a home in me my suitcase and guitar my only family i've tried to need someone like they needed me but i opened up my heart and all i did was bleed that's yeah. just such a great stanza that's yeah. poetry right there yeah and i and i also love uh, that's my favorite line too I also love the way that Richie does uh, the backing vocals, um, uh, or not not backing the lead vocals on the uh, bridge. Of course. Um, so you know that, that that song is a real, and that song gets a lot of hate for some reason out of the whole album. That's probably like the least liked song, which is weird. It's not just, just from my experience of talking to a lot of other fans, um, but I, I I love it. Um, trying to think if there's any other songs that we should talk about. You know, something to believe in, um, that's a real gem too, you know, because that's, it kind of ties in with, hey, God, you know, like having nothing to believe in, you need something, whether it's a person, religion, or, you know, just having something to get you through these dark times. And I think that's the tone of the album is the, is, is the darkness of the tunnel finding the light. There was a move, there's a movement between, uh, a certain category of the fan base that hates that song because they think it's anti-religion. But I don't think it's anti-religion at all. No. I think it's a really relatable questioning of everything when you don't have faith. And it's not saying faith is bad. It's saying that a lot of people don't have faith and are looking for something to have faith in. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a distinct difference. Yeah. I, I I completely agree with you. You know, there's definitely a hey on something to believe in. They're definitely not anti-religion. I think they're more of in question of their religion, if anything. And why are it's questioned why there are so many bad things happening when there's something so good like God and you know just tying those two together. You know, if that makes sense. Of course. So. But uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say? About? I think we covered most of the bases, and I know we've gone over on what you normally know, like your time being, so I appreciate it. No, yeah, you're fine. We're a little over an hour. That's okay. I don't mind. Um, anyway, let me end the recording here, And uh, but before, you know, don't hang up. Um, but, I'm just gonna, but thank you again, buddy, for uh, coming on. Take, I know we tried back in May, and it's just connection was bad. and On both ends. No, don't worry about it, man. And, I've, but I've been waiting since May to talk about this with you, and I'm glad that we got the chance to sit here together and, and talk. And and I, I think my biggest takeaway 
is that I no longer stand alone on thinking Diamond Ring should have been an outtake. Let's make it baby is almost terrible. And uh, what was the other thing that we really um, – but the Panic at the Disco guy, we both don't Panic like. at the Disco. So may, maybe we're brothers from another mother because nobody else would agree with us there. So you and me, we stand alone. So when someone thinks I'm nuts for saying, let's make a baby is terrible, I can say, well, you know what? Jameis has my back on this, and uh, he thinks it's terrible too. I don't think it's terrible. It's just not as good as everything else. Yeah, it's – I don't know. It, it, it's like a whole lot of leaving. You know, it's – or, I don't oh, know. you don't like that song? That's on Lost Highway, right? Uh, I I can't stand whole lot of leaving. Let's make a baby. Let's make a baby. I probably wouldn't put on my I hate list. The songs I don't like: whole lot of leaving, all hail the king, um, and temptation. And believe it or not, wanted dead or alive is almost on that list. Ooh, I'm wearing a wanted dead or alive T-shirt. No, I I'm about to break your heart here. Um, the the, the radio has killed three of the four. There were four singles from Slippery, right? Not five. Say that again. There were only four singles from Slippery, not five, correct? <laughs> yes and no. Wild in the Streets was a video single. Uh, but, but for, for radio singles. Yeah, radio singles, there was only four. Prayer, Bad Name, Wanted, and Never Say Goodbye. The radio uh, has killed three of those songs for me, and Wanted Dead or Alive is the only one it hasn't killed for me. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't see the hype. Now, I love that this Left Feels Right version. I think it's so much better. But to me, like, I, I don't hate the song. I don't dislike the song. There's, There's something song so that I don't bad. care about. And I don't know. I just think it's overrated. I just don't see the appeal with it. The, the it's not my favorite of the radio stuff, much as their catalog. My favorite of the radio stuff is probably always, yeah. But and I much prefer the album version to the radio version of Dead or Alive. But that song is inherently just cool, like it's the outlaw vibe. I, I love it. Yeah. I think the I get I don't want to say chills because I don't get literal chills, but figuratively. There's something about that opening and the build-up that just is so awesome. And it's probably my favorite of the uh, Slippery New Jersey singles, uh, for sure. Yeah. The well, Let's uh, let's end the recording. We can kind of talk about that because we're getting on time here. But anyway, bye. Thank you. Uh, for coming on, and I, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. Okay, buddy? Absolutely. Anytime you want me on. All right, let me end the recording. Thanks again, buddy. Sir. Sure.